Welcome to the podcast of New City Church. We hope this podcast inspires you on your journey of inward and outward transformation. Please join us on Sundays. You can find more information on our website, grownewcity.church. God bless you. This week I was reflecting and doing some contemplating on social media. As many of you know, the reason why we're worshiping on our website and the reason why we launched our Circle Community platform is because we intentionally wanted to shift away from centering our life in Facebook. Like we'll still publicize stuff in Facebook, we'll still organize on Facebook, we, but we intentionally wanted to say like the home of New City Church is not going to live under the, the roof of like something as deeply problematic as, as Facebook. And so, um, and so I was, I was just reflecting though on, on social media and what I was seeing and you know how the algorithm works? The algorithm's got your name, y'all. If you didn't notice from the ads that you get on Instagram that are like the thing <laughs> that you like mentioned in a dinner conversation, like just, just 20 minutes before, like the algorithm's got your name. And so like, obviously as Dante Wright stuff has been going on, I've been like watching more live stream videos and, and caring more about um, watching that type of content and the algorithm's like, oh, he wants more of this type of content. And so then it's like an endless stream of just like every person who has ever posted about Dante Wright, like in my social media. And, um, and I, and I felt myself, I, I identify as an Enneagram seven. If you don't know the Enneagram, don't even worry about it. I'll explain it. But like, I have that line to a one, which is called the reformer, kind of the perfectionist um, uh, social justice is often involved type shout out to the ones in the comments, <laughs> bless you. Um, and, uh, I just wanted to name like that, that one energy is so helpful for getting you to like show up to social justice things, but there's also this like dogged sense of obligation. And so it's funny because during peace times, social media gives you FOMO feeling of missing out. But like during like huge conflicts, during these types of crises in our community, social media gives me like feelings of f- uh, photo, feelings of deferred obligations, <laughs> where it's like, oh my gosh, <gasps> I, I like what? Like I have so many friends doing so many things. I need to, I need to get out there. And it's like, oh my gosh, ah! like perfectionism, perfectionism. And this is where the practice, spiritual practices in the act of social justice is relevant to how we show up for justice. Because here's this like disintegrated one energy in me that's like, like self-flagellate, you have to show up. Everything is bad and you're like, you're at the root of the problem if you're not showing up, right? Like this, there's kind of this like, this like deep self-flagellation guilt that's like trying you know, in its own adaptive way, trying to like push you to get there. And like, when we practice spirituality, when, when we show up for prayer, when we allow ourselves to, to welcome our emotions back in, when we offer up to God this like, um, all of our obligations, when we offer up to the sacred compost, like here's here's kind of my first draft or my, my impulse, God, but tell me, God, like, tell me now what the, the deep, wise, ancestral ways are, and that's how I'll show up. And it's actually in that contemplation that it was like, I 
If I show up out of FOMO or FODO, deferred obligation, then I'm not showing up in a helpful way to social justice. I wanna go to Brooklyn Center because I know that God has invited us to be ministers, to be witnesses of the love, to, to be voices of the liberating change in the world, to be hands of healing. I, I know that God calls me to those waters because protesting is part of my healing journey and that by being in community, we can collectively say something that individually I cannot. I believe that, it, uh, that applying pressure through protesting is, is creating a divine fire, a sacred heat for social transformation. And like, sometimes God is calling us to be fire bringers to these, uh, to these places, to be the warmth, the radiant bringers, to the, the radiance lights to, to these places. Because sometimes um, the places of deep hurt are exactly the places where God shows up the most. And like, maybe we show up to protest because we wanna to go to the altar and of these deep pains and see how God is showing up as, as like a sacramental, as like a unique way of showing up in the world that isn't anywhere else. Maybe, maybe I'm going as a pilgrim because I believe that that is where the Holy Spirit is. Like that's the kind of energy that I want to, uh, that I want to, offer my public witness for like that's the type of soul space that i want to create that's like to use a, a a biblical albeit pretty militaristic image like that's the the spiritual armor that i want to put on i want to put on a breastplate of righteousness that says i'm not going because i'm ashamed of what my woke friends will say to me i'm going because i believe that, that um, there is righteousness moving through me that will transfer to this place that will be part of God's healing in the world. Like this is the prophetic witness. And, and uh, yes, I, I believe that I can show up in places that matters most. I believe that I can even bring, dare I say, a certain type of levity that, that might be appropriate, like a certain type of playfulness or a certain type of watchfulness like these are like the deeper emotions that the sacred compost is trying to is trying to invite into us right like this is the this is the um lots of folks are pointing out in the chat like this is that integration to seven it's like there is a divine presence that we are to embody in protests do you see what i'm saying like it's not just about it's not just about uh showing up in, your, in whatever raggedy way you can, but it's about embodying that divine presence. And the fact of the matter, and I was seeing this in the chat for folks who have health conditions or folks who um, for self-preservation like didn't join in in the protests, like the fact of the matter is that the only way that you can like embody this love of God in these spaces is if you are listening to God, like if, if you are t touching base with with um, God, as we heard in the song, the God who's alive in your body, the God who is alive in nature and in the universe, like if we're touching base with that, then that's how we show up to the world at, through kind of this like sacred compost mentality. And sometimes God is like, sit this one out. Like pause, I need you to take a hard stop. I need you to make sure 
Like, you are supposed to be wearing the breastplate of righteousness, but wear the breastplate of righteousness to the grocery store and get yourself some vegetables! Like, you're supposed to be embodying the, the sword of truth by turning on the faucet and drinking more water. Just, like, please drink more water. And so, like, do you see what I mean, though? It's like, there's a certain type of trust that faith requires, a leaning into how God wants us to show up. And sometimes we have to dare to believe that God doesn't want us to show up where the social media algorithms want us to show up. There, sometimes there is a divine calling to take that nap. Bless, bless the Lord for the nap. Um, <laughs> yeah, sometimes the voice of God can be shady because it's like, who? <laughs> you think that like, this person who has 10,000 likes because they're, or 10,000, yeah, 10,000 likes because they're posting this type of footage or this type of photo or this type of post is God? They, like, they're not, they're not ordained as prophetic witness just because they have some likes on them. <laughs> like, what God is, is inviting us to is a certain kind of spooning with our Savior, a certain type of, like, cuddling in and becoming familiar. And do you see how that presence can can invite us to both things like self-care, self-preservation, slowing down, and to protest, to activating, to, to stepping in. Do you see how like both of these things are present? Both of these things are options because upstream from both of those is a divine calling on your life, a, a voice of God, that is imbuing you with wisdom, with, with a, a certain type of affection and intimacy that's saying, like, this is how I want you to show up. And the reason this is especially important is because how you show up day to day matters like, and changes. <laughs> like, like um, I sh uh, I, let's see, I went to Brooklyn Center a couple times this week, and it was like, one day I was like going through prayer, and it was like, Something like there's like a flickering flame kind of feeling that's like, this is not the time for me to do this. And then uh, the, the next day it was, there was kind of this flickering flame feeling of like, okay, this is the time to do this. And like that type of like real time <laughs> tracking is what spiritual practices allow us to get into. And that is why, um, there's two more things that I want to say about that. Uh, one, that is why grief is so important. So, so important. Because um, grief is kind of our invitation down to like the ocean floor of, you know, like to like, like go through like some murkiness and just to like, oh, like sink through places that even feel kind of dark. Like it's so important that we like touch base with Paul Tillich says, the ground of our being. And so we um, dedicate this Sunday to Dante Wright, not just to talk about uh, tactics and strategies, not just to talk about your calling individually, but to talk about our grief together as a community and to truly lament the state of how things are. A lot of folks, a lot of folks who are trying to up turnout to a lot of organizers are like, um, uh, not necessarily going to be inviting us to lament space. So like, this is this as a church right now, like this is our lament space to be, I should be saying their organizers are inviting us to lament space, but they might not be inviting us to lament 
soul posture. You know what I mean? Like they can, they can take a horse to water. They can get an activist to Brooklyn Center. But like your soul posture of truly lamenting, like that is something that is, is part of the spiritual practice. And so as a church, we remember truly how uh, Dante Wright was a young man who was a father, who was a community member. Dante Wright was someone's son. Dante Wright was a friend. Uh, Dante Wright lived in a neighborhood and had uh, a, a, a nonprofits uh, dedicated to serving those neighborhoods and had churches in the area and other communities of faith. Like Dante Wright was a human who had a body. Dante Wright was knit together in the womb by God's love. And like uh, uh, for all of the love that was poured into Dante Wright's body, this is um, uh, uh, um, using an image from Between the World and Me, like that vessel of love that was so filled uh, by God's mercy, like in his death, there was a breaking open of the vessel and uh, all the things that were poured into that young man's life uh, poured out. And that is a tragedy. That is truly a tragedy. A tragedy as an isolated incident, but as we zoom out to look at how we're in the middle of the Chauvin trial right now, like we're in the middle of seeing how corrupt uh, the, the policing system is in our city, like the middle of seeing how, how long it takes for, um, for folks who have uh, done violent and visible things as police officers, like continually get a huge long runway for, for, for uh, whether or not they are tried, while other folks in our community get um, tried, uh, sentenced, and executed within seconds. Like this is, this is how we're trying to come to terms with things and like the grief, sometimes the grief that comes up from that realization or that, that feeling um, is so large that it feels like, like, I don't know, like for me right now, it's kind of this like balloon swelling in the chest thing, but like, like a, like a pressure, like, like the ribs are about to break from the inside kind of feeling. And I know other folks have felt that weight feeling like all of those are your body's invitation to lament. All of those are saying your body, uh, uh, needs to, to lament, uh, in order to be able to continue to function. So we invite you to that and hold that space. And, um, and for some folks, I, I, I know some folks in the comments, like that might just be where you're at. Like, uh, you have consent to the, the grieving process and like, that might be the heart space where you are. And uh, per the second and last thing that I wanted to say is that per the community builder card, there is a certain type of like adaptation and growth that I believe we are required to. Um, shout out in the comments if you've read Emergent Strategy, uh, a hugely influential book for me and for New City. Like, um, the idea with Emergent Strategy, the idea with Lament is like, our movements need to learn and grow and adapt. Our, it's not like you can um, have like one set response to injustice whenever it happens and then plug and play and there you go. Like our, our movements 
need to, yeah, shout out to emergent uh, strategy. Like we need to be in process together because the system is learning and adapting. Huh? The system is already changing. Like as I was talking to activists in preparation for this service, like one of the major things that folks are noticing is like in comparison to the uprising this past summer, the militarism of the response that we're seeing in the community like is uh, so much more dramatically uh, there, like going from zero to a hundred real, real quick. And that wasn't as much the case in George Floyd in the beginning days. Like in that first week, things were still kind of like feeling their way through. Uh, and then the National Guard came through and all that. And um, um, the, the, maybe the folks in the, in the New City Life Together Emergent Strategy Book Club can like be a, a, a thinking through like, how can we continue to adapt ourselves because the city is changing. Like the mayor of Brooklyn Center and like so many folks have called for a stop of tear gassing in the community. Um, uh, at least of which because the police station in Brooklyn Center is across the street from an apartment building where there are young children. And so there are like parents coming out, like begging for there to not be tear gassing because kids in their homes can't get to sleep because the tear gas is getting into their, into their room. Like this, um, this like type of like, whoa, super heightened. Um, and I know that there are folks in the, um, uh, yeah, Operation Safety Net, whoo! Yeah, really, really intense. Operation Safety Net is, is, was kind of like the safety plan for the city, safety plan for the city. Um, I, and I would love to hear from the activists, like what else have you heard um, or have you seen that feels different from George Floyd? Um, I have lots of folks in my network who are journalists uh, who are showing up to this scene, who are like taking pictures or, or writing stories and um, are also being harassed by the police, uh, forced to take pictures of IDs, um, in some cases like being um, uh, uh, the target of brutality, um, there's some kenneling. Yeah, like it, it's just like really, really intense about how like people who aren't participating in the protests but are simply documenting the protests are themselves being brutalized by this response. Like that's, that's scary, right? Like that's like, like press being able to tell what is going on is a fundamental part of democracy, right? Like we don't really function as a society if the press can't tell what's going on during these protests. And so it's like, that's, that's majorly intense. And like, I was there, you know, um, I think it was the first day and it was like, okay, it was a certain type of protest, a certain type of march. And then I came back the, and the second time that I was there, um, I was with Dana wearing our matching New City Church hats. Um, and like, whenever there's cops on the police, like holding arms, on the, on the, um, whenever there's cops on the roof holding arms, like that's kind of a, that's, that's an intimidating, that's an intense moment. Like that is not a posture of like, we are here grieving together as a community, law enforcement and non-law enforcement alike, right? Like that is like, don't mess with what we're doing, right? Like that is a, a tool of intimidation and like, um, Mayor Fry, Governor Walls, like any type of rhetoric that is naming that as anything but a tool of intimidation is, feels like propaganda to me. 
We see in the comments that there's militarization, surveillance and kettling and curfews being used as social control. All feels leveled up this time. I was really struck how like the day after there was a vigil uh, uh, planned and invited by the family of Dante Wright. There was a vigil planned at 7 p.m. And then they, and then like after that was announced, they announced the curfew for Brooklyn Center, for all of Hennepin County. And that curfew was for what time? 7 p.m. So it's like, you know, like, like this, uh, 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 Joe, uh, Joe says, same thing happening with military style response to line three, law enforcement mentality being like military occupation and present, uh, is present in press conferences, like press conferences. Yeah. Um, yeah. So, uh, snipers are intimidating. Yes. Yeah. Uh, uh, one of the literal flags of fascism. Uh, if I, <laughs> yeah. So it's like, there's like some real, there's some real things. And of course, like, I think the timing of all of this is interesting. Like a lot of the reason why Operation Safety Net was in place, the National Guard was already here, was in anticipation of the Chauvin trial. And so they just kind of like bumped everything up a week. And so it's like, one part of me wants to be like, yeah, this, is, this isn't how this is going to happen once Operation Safety Net is done. But it's like, everything is, everything sets a precedence for everything. Like how we show up matters because it sets a precedence for how we show up. Like we're, we're completing neural pathways of our collective society of like what happens when certain things happen. And it's like just easy for me to see how like this heightened militarization in response to protests will continue even after the Chauvin trial. And like that in itself is cause for um, adaptation for a certain type of emergence. Like there's a certain type of like, okay, I see this and now I am shifting like this for us to respond as, as people committed to justice. Um, and I think that like one of the things that we really have to deal with are um, the sense of fear for sure. Like the sense of um, like uh, that like six energy, that's uh, that fearfulness energy that's right in our gut. That's like, we gotta get out of here. <laughs> like we're not gonna win this. And I think that the response to that is what we heard in our Jeremiah text today, that, that God is a deliverer of, of even folks, um, what was the line? Like folks who are facing folks who are stronger than them, enemies even who are stronger than them. Like that feels so important. Um, uh, yeah, and, I, and it's like, if, if the city is going to adapt, then we need to adapt as a society. I also know that in addition to police militarization, that the community response has been really different. Um, uh, I think about um, the, the emergence of mutual aid networks has been like way faster than it was in South Minneapolis um, following George Floyd. Like the emergence of people knowing how to step in. And also the prioritization of community safety and like non-police answers to community safety in elected officials. Like, I don't, if for folks who are living in um, uh, Minneapolis, like caucusing is, is starting pretty soon, like city council, mayor stuff is coming up pretty soon. And you look at these websites and like every candidate has had to respond to police brutality in a way that like, uh, like 10 years ago, eight years ago, like it was just, that was just such a, not not like 
universally demanded response, right? Um, so like, I really think that um, we're seeing how we're adapting as a community and, and um, truly emerging as a community. And I believe that the, the place of the people of God is to be able to uh, connect with a God who believes that our lives are to be lush gardens. Wasn't that such a gorgeous line in Jeremiah? Uh, our lives are to be lush gardens and lush gardens take tending to. There is, <laughs> I don't know if any of you have, like grown stuff before, like any of you plant queens out there, like, t like growing stuff takes work, but the lushness that results pay, like gives us, energy feedback like 10, 30, and 100 times, right? Like, like the growing the lush garden is our, is our task as, as people who are following the way of Jesus. And we have to cultivate that in ourselves. We have to cultivate that in our communities. But ultimately, we have to believe that God has already guaranteed the end game of this, that like the world we are moving towards is the lush garden that, that almost like Eden 2.0 is like what we are going to be living into. Yeah, like like God created the the Garden of of Eden, and then like eventually God was like, okay, we need to adapt, we need to change, and then like Jesus came along and was like, okay, we're gonna try like Eden 2.0. We're gonna create a new Adam and Eve, as in like a new humanity. We're gonna create a different way of showing up, and like that is what we're growing right now. That is what we are cultivating right now. We heal the soil of our souls because we believe that growing up out of it are supposed to be trees with leaves for the healing of all nations and fruit for all people. We believe that there is going to be provision and grace and safety for all of society. And that is something that God has promised and that God will make good on. But our participation in that in the meanwhile is how we will uh, how we will change the tide, how we will change the balance, how we will adapt and shift. Like we have to continually change our tactics and strategies. But the vision of God's beloved kingdom, the vision of a world where all is renewed and liberated, has never changed. Jesus saw that world when he was hanging on a cross, dying at the hands of a, of an, a militarized empire. And he saw that second garden and said, I am pronouncing a grace on the world that will allow for that lush garden to take place in our lives. I believe that Jesus is cultivating in us a certain type of abundance that the, that the systems of surveillance and militarization can't provide. I believe that this is the world that God is calling us to. I believe that this is the world that God is calling us to. And I believe that um, um, Christians, <laughs> so like, I believe that Christians have always opposed Nazis. <laughs> Not saying that, so now I'm just shifting to like broader white supremacy Nazism. Like, I, like when we look at the, what happened in the rise of Hitler, we saw one church, the, the national church, be like, yay, Hitler, go Hitler. We don't like him, but what can we do? And then we saw the folks of the likes of like Diedrich Bonhoeffer being like, no, Nazism 
is bad. And God believes that Nazism is bad. And God believes that genocide and mass murder and control and domination and surveillance is something that we are called to oppose. And like our spiritual practice allows us to stay attuned to that God. But like that God is calling us out. And like, it's just funny to me because uh, so many folks at New City, so many folks in the world are like, gosh, it really freaks me out how like, so many people who seem to be uh, uh, supporting, like, kind of, like, moving America towards a dictatorship, like, are identifying as Christian. And, and like, the, so many folks at the insurrection said, like, Jesus wants us to do this. And, like, what does that mean? And it's like, hey, that's always been the story of Christianity. Like, there's always been, like, a, a, a majority big church that's, like, God wants to do the thing that the militarized state happens to want us to do. And then there's also been followers of Jesus who are like, nah, y'all, like, that's not cute. <laughs> like, that resistance is part of our DNA. Um, and it goes way before 1940s. Like, every chapter of Christian history has had that. And the reason why I, I believe that New City Church is part, such a crucial part of the, the protest ecosystem right now is because the practice of faith is... is um, uh, it's like we have to be extra Christian-y, not despite of like the people pretending that they're Christian and following God, but because of it. Like we have to like extra embody Jesus. We have to extra allow the Holy Spirit to like imbue us with belovedness and liberation because there's such a scarcity of that in the world. And like that invitation isn't one of personal obligation and shame or, or guiltiness or putting a weight on you. That invitation is an invitation to come alive. It is our job to come alive extra when the death dealing systems of our society are raging. Um, may this be true tonight uh, in our transformation this morning. Um, may this be true uh, after the Chauvin trial. May this be true for us as a, as a people along the way, always. Amen? Amen.